Hello, and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast with me, Mandy Sinclair, known online as Mandy in Morocco. For the second episode, I'm sitting down with Sophia Bentaher and Annabelle Aje, a creative duo who came to Marrakesh with the intention of starting a social cafe after traveling around Europe learning the local recipes. But despite all the picture-perfect Instagram posts and Pinterest pins about Marrakesh, being an entrepreneur here in Morocco isn't always easy. I say that as the owner of Say Something Communication, a bespoke public relations agency that offers strategic consulting, writing, and press office management to Moroccan-based clients and international clients looking to capture the attention of the local audiences. And so while I love being an entrepreneur here in Morocco, let me tell you that sometimes it's just hard. Trying to navigate taxes, banking, local HR policies, and things I just didn't even think about when I registered my company four years ago. But despite it all, it's worth it. It's just that sometimes things don't always go as planned. So let's join in the conversation with Sophie and Annabelle and hear what they have to say. Ladies, tell me, how did you end up here in Morocco? So the story starts before Morocco because Annabelle and I have been friends since uni in England. And before we ended up in the in the Moroccan lands, we had planned post-graduation to go travel across Europe and to learn various cake recipes, right? Because we're both very sweet tooth people. So once we had finished the trip and that we had gathered, you know, over 20 European recipes, we wanted to build a project where we would share those recipes with people. And in the meantime, we had a social coffee shop idea. So that's what led us to Morocco because... We had a contact here in Morocco who was very interested in the idea, and he wanted to sponsor that project. So basically the plan was learn your recipes, then come to Morocco, open the coffee shop, and share them with people here so that they can come and have a slice of cake. So you went traveling across Europe to 17 different countries, backpacking, hitchhiking. You were on a minimal budget, but you were determined to learn the local cakes from the locals. So tell me about the three months leading up to your arrival in Morocco. Right. So there's a little detail as well. It's that, so we hitchhiked and then we also slept at people's homes. So we never knew where we were going to sleep when we arrived. And the whole cake topic was also a way of creating contact with someone because most people like food and cakes. So, you know, when we arrived and we said, so this is what we're doing, we're baking and that would already kind of light up people's eyes. And then you say, okay, so do you know somebody who would host us? Or do you know somebody who would teach us a cake? And that was already a start of a sort of conversation starter. I think in my, when I reflect on the trip, I definitely have the word like spontaneity that comes to key. I think we learned how to just let go of things because the trip was so raw. Like we didn't know where we were sleeping, right? We'd wake up in the morning, you're in Poland and you're like, okay, I have to get to Slovakia. Slovakia. So it's just that type of thought process where you're so used to days in today's life to be like, I'm going to take the train at 1018 and I'll get to this place and I'll check in. And we didn't have that. So we had to really learn how to let go and be like, well, the universe will take us wherever it's, whatever's on the next step. And also, I think Annabelle had a really important point, having an, like a, an icebreaker, like a cake, you know, just coming up to somebody and being like, I'm not just a regular traveler because there are many travelers, but I'm here to learn a cake. Can you help me do that? That was definitely something that, that shaped the trip. And there was a common thread throughout all of the 17 countries. There was always this red kind of line that was just 
once you trust that people are going to help you and that people are going to want to share a slice of their culture with you, literally, it's so much is going to come to you. And I think that we also, we started, for example, we started in France, right? And then we went up to Belgium, Germany, and then eventually got to East Europe and then came back through, was it Italy. Switzerland, Italy? So the difference in cultures between, for example, like France and Belgium, then Germany, we had labeled it as level one, level two, level three. <laughs> and the further away we were from home, the harder it was supposed to be because you don't necessarily speak the language. And, you know, you'd think that maybe in Romania, people don't speak English or French or German since Annabelle speaks German. But actually, I found that it was getting easier and easier. The more distance we had, kind of in a way, people were even more eager to help us. Whereas when we were coming back to the more Western Europe, like European countries, if I can say, we were really, I was getting frustrated. I was like, why aren't people helping us as much as they were in <laughs> so far away from, from home? So again, to wrap it up, it was definitely, to me, I, I learned about being spontaneous and just trusting that things are going to go your way. And that even if you're in a hard moment, that's because something behind is coming that's going to be so amazing that it'll blow you away and that you're going to think that was worth it. It was worth really getting out of my comfort zone and waiting for this to come to me. So then you plan to travel to a few more countries, but you decided to cut your trip short because you had thought that things were going to come together for to open a cafe here in Marrakesh. So you've packed up your bags and returned back to Morocco. And what did you discover upon arriving in Morocco about doing business here? We had planned indeed to actually travel way longer and do 27 countries. And then this contact in Morocco heard about the trip and was very interested in working with us. And that's when we decided, okay, we're going to shorten the trip because we wanted to open the coffee shop during high season. And, and so that's what we did. And we arrived and started analyzing, you know, doing the whole pricing and how do we want to decorate the place and discussing loads of details. And, you know, throughout this process, we were also getting to know the contact we wanted to open the coffee shop with. So we hardly knew him. I had seen him on Skype, basically. So how did he find out about you? Um, so I was, before the trip, I was working in Morocco. I had a job here in a guest house. And so, you know, Morocco, I feel like it's a lot about networking and contact. So I got in contact with somebody who in turn knew this person and he heard about our project. So he reached out to me saying, this is amazing. I'd love to sponsor it. You know, let's work together. And I think that coming back in November to Morocco. So as Annabelle had said, we had already planned with him to shorten the trip because we wanted to open by December, 2000. 17. Mm -hmm. Wow. So one month to do the concept and really <laughs> open everything in Morocco. That's a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. I mean, you know, this is a lesson to us. It's like, have good all crazy. your, <laughs> good crazy. it was a good time of crazy. You know, yeah. we had, I mean, we had thought it through Mandy. We had like our little calendar, like it will no, take 10 days. During the trip, we would actually, whenever we had like literally two seconds, we'd take out our laptops and be like, okay, so what kind of cake can we do? What kind of menu can we have? We were literally during the trip already planning ahead yeah, for we the were. coffee shop. Yeah. And we, uh, I mean, because also we wanted to fill, you know, we, we wanted to fill the space with little memories of the trip. So we were writing down anecdotes or, you know, like just a lot of little funny things where we were like, this will definitely go into the coffee shop. But when we came back, so we, I was mentioning before this trust notion, right? That you trust that everything's going to go okay. And we were like soaked in that after the trip. So we came to Morocco being like, 
trust that everything's going to go fine. And at the end, it did go like we did already do a big part of the a big chunk of the process that went well. But we started just discovering the space because the space was there. And so just seeing like starting to project here would be the bar, here would be the tables, cakes could be presented in this area. The pricing, the marketing, just setting up the identity. So coincidences was the the, the initial plan. And we that took us about, I'd say, a good month before then we started having our gut feeling, which, to be honest, was also part of the trip. Like it, the gut feeling, you really learn how to tune into it. If you have a part of you that's just like doubting, you know, the brain is important, but sometimes that gut is really going to guide you and you have to learn how to follow it because we're so taught to be rational about things and to be like, well, no, I mean, ugh, brush away this feeling. But when you have that feeling, it's there for a reason. And I think that when it started brewing inside of us, we were like, okay, wait a second, we need to sit down and and think or feel, <laughs> give more space to that thought. So as we were saying earlier, before we went on air, we were talking about how, you know, everything on social media looks so picture perfect about coming to Morocco. And so you arrived and things didn't go as planned, but you've made the best of it. So what have you guys been doing since you have arrived? Have you been working on another business plan? Anything that you can reveal? Well, I think uh, we're currently at, at a turning point, kind of. So on my side, I'm, I'm actually trying now to sit down and reflect on everything that happened. Because as we said, the trip was very, very intense. So we had three days per country, hardly any time to sit down and think back, okay, this happened, you know, because incredible things happened. And, and so now I'm about to sit down and actually try to rewatch all those videos and think back and understand, okay, so this is where I'm at today and how do I want to use all that I've learned for my next steps. And then we also have this, you know, both this idea that we'd like to share more about what we've learned and, you know, tapping into listening to your gut and your gut feeling. And whenever we talk about the trip with people face to face, you know, the conversation can last for a long time because we have <laughs> yeah. so much stuff to, to tell. So many stories. But also people ask because they, they understand that, oh, okay, this is amazing. And it's a shame that I've never heard of that kind of way of traveling before. Or, you know, we, we've had so many comments before leaving. Oh, you're going to have such trouble traveling like that, hitchhiking, and nobody's going to host you in Albania. Be super careful. And then when we come and we say, look, guys, Maybe there are bad people, but there are bad people everywhere. And we've had amazing experiences. So basically, the idea would be to find a way to help people maybe understand that there's a different way of doing things. And that, of course, it's fine to, to follow a path and everything. Just don't put barriers that you know you don't need to put. Because maybe you could have a wider range of activities or just you know meeting people that are different. And I think that advice is so true in Morocco as well, where you just kind of have to go with the way things operate here. I mean, Sophia, you are of Moroccan descent. Um, so what was it like coming back to Morocco and hoping to, you know, see, have a cafe, realize your dream here in the country, where the city where your father is from? Mm -hmm. It's funny you ask that because many people... So I, you know, you can't see me through a podcast, but I definitely have the Moroccan features. And when people hear my story, they're like, oh, so did you come back to Morocco to find your roots in a way? And my father was born in Marrakesh indeed, but I grew up in the United States and then I lived in France and UK. So 
I was always like, I knew that I'm of Moroccan descent, but I never really knew my Moroccan part. And I think that I came here. So by, you know, we, we told the story before we came here with the project and it's only now that I'm here that like, and that I see how easily people come to me and that I'm Moroccan for them and that there's no questions asked and they're not going to speak to me in, in Derija, which is, you know, the, the Arabic dialect here, or that they're going to just assume that I'm from, from the area. That's, I'm still kind of learning how to, how to discover what I feel towards that because I, of course, I love learning new languages, so I'm really happy to learn the language. I'm happy to just understand. I think what's, what you were saying is super important that you have, you know, you're not going to change the country. You're not going to arrive here with your ideas and people won't adapt to you. It's up to you to adapt to, to the country. And that goes for anywhere. It's not just Morocco. So yes, like just little things, but just understanding, okay, this is how the culture codes are built. And I, if I want to fit into that, I have to make that effort or take time to ask questions where some people tell me, are you actually Moroccan? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I have the looks, but I'm still learning how to have the, <laughs> how to have the behavior. Exactly. Make mint tea. <laughs> I think that it, I think that Morocco is also a country where it helps to have a Moroccan descent. So like people, so when we were working with, I don't know whether it's suppliers or just other people, they tend to think, I think, you know, due to the history of the country with like colonization and everything, if you only have the French label, you're kind of seen as part of the French community. Whereas I had this kind of joker card where I don't speak the language, but I still, you know, have a father and it can play both ways. So I have, I've had people tell me you're Moroccan, so it's going to work that way. And then others tell me, oh wait, well, no, actually this time you're not Moroccan because so it's sometimes there's this double standard, which for me is also part of what I'm learning how to deal with to be like, can we decide once and for all? Things don't always go as planned. So the cafe never came to life. So what's next for you guys? Well, what's next? We're still in the process of reflecting and, and then sit down and see how we can share all these experiences with people from our age or, or you know, younger, older, but just to be able to give all this information and hopefully help someone someone else out and in the entrepreneurial experiences. Yeah, we were talking about this because in the time of, you know, Anthony Bourdain's passing, I think people have been really looking into what he's, he had done over his career. And he was always encouraging people to travel, especially in their young age. He was saying something along the lines of when you're 22 and you're fit, you know, go out there, share a meal with a stranger because you learn so much. And we definitely tapped into that energy field. When we were traveling, I think that was also then a contrast coming back to Morocco. It's that that experience was just so opening in terms of meeting people's generosity, meeting people's kindness, their will to be like, oh, of course I'm going to share my grandmother's favorite cake recipe, like all those type of situations. We think that there's something bigger behind that. So not necessarily just spending our whole life traveling, but finding a way to shape the project that we started differently and to pass that message of food, you know, can teach so much about a culture and you can really kind of taste the unknown in somebody's life rather than just keep on fearing it or think. But also not necessarily just around food, but in general, just to say, if you travel uh, being very open-minded and you try to go and meet the, the locals and that you just don't do the whole touristy things, not necessarily all of it, but that you try to actually spend time with with locals, that you'll see that in the end, everyone is human and that whether you're French or Albanian, you'll, you'll have many things in common and it'll 
you know, break down a lot of barriers that you've had in your head about certain ways of living or certain people. And I really hope that people will travel more and more to understand that because yeah. in the end, yeah, we're all, we're all the same, you know? So I think that definitely for the next step, it's about finding a way to just keep on sending that message, like learn from people, travel, go open your ideas. You both have bachelor degrees in business. If you were to provide some advice for a young entrepreneur wanting to set up shop in Marrakesh, what tips might you have based on what you've learned so far? I think, first of all, if you've never been to Morocco before, come, see, maybe find a way of working with someone from Morocco, understand the culture. You have to adapt and that takes time. And also, you know, try and understand the, the language a little bit. And, and then you can see how it goes. Talk to entrepreneurs in the city where you're at, because I'm pretty sure any city in Morocco is going to be different as well. So Marrakesh is very touristy. You'll have a lot of entrepreneurs who come and go, but try to have a feeling of what is working, how is it working, and then see how you could implement your idea into that city. Annabelle definitely has an important point. It's immerse yourself before, because I think that, you know, I remember studying all these intercultural management theories and it kind of, especially in today's business schools, they they make you think that you're prepared for the world, right? That, you know, the world is your playground and you're, of course, it's important to, to go out and, and discover new places. But I think you should definitely come and meet people because people will always share their opinion. That's normal, but don't take only one opinion, you know, like go source, go talk, go listen to different, to different projects, listen to people's advices, but always then filter it yourself and put it together and also stay true to your idea because, I mean, we were told, you know, we were told to make madeleines, which are these typical little French treats. There's so much to do. So there's always new projects popping up. There's always new people coming to town thinking, I have it. I have the idea that's going to that's gonna just boom and rock it. And good for them if it does. But the reality is that, like, it's a very wild playground. It's not, the, it's not that easy. So people will always tell you, well... If you listen to me, I have the idea. You shouldn't be doing a social cafe. You should be making madeleines. And, you know, if you're young like we are, and if you're not 100% confident in your idea, like you have to build that confidence. You have to be able to answer back, thank you for your advice. I appreciate it. The reality is we didn't come here to make madeleines. We came here to do a social coffee shop and we'll see how that goes. But if you start swaying between opinions and that your idea constantly changes, you end up in this very like, in this limbo of what am I doing here? Okay, wait, yesterday was that project, today it's this project. So stay true to that gut feeling of what, if, what am I here to do? 100%. I find I've been here seven and a half years and I've owned a business for about four years. So like I completely echo what you said about like take your time, get to know the people. Because once you set down roots, then I mean, there is a lot of administration involved in opening a business here if that's what you eventually decide to do. So I think you do have to be quite committed to the idea. You hadn't been to Morocco before, had you? I had only been two weeks in Morocco um, the year before. I was doing a, an online course, a MOOC on social entrepreneurship and had taken all my holidays during those two weeks and came to Morocco to visit Sofia and see the country. And, and that's actually also where we started talking about 
oh, we could do something in Morocco, you know, with baking and how could we make it a social thing? But I hardly knew the country for sure. And I was very lucky to be able to discover Morocco also through Sophia's family because they hosted us very kindly for two months. <laughs> it was supposed to be two weeks, but it was two months. And, and you know, I, I had met some of them, but I hardly knew them. And they welcomed me as if I was family too. Mm-hmm. And through living with Moroccan people, I started to understand how it works. And also they would take time to explain things to me. So that was very, very fortunate. And I'm, I mean, I'm so happy that I got to experience uh, this way of, of, uh, of discovering the country. I have to say, I was talking about this recently with a friend. I think, uh, like, I, so I didn't know the language, but again, I look, since I look Moroccan, people directly speak to me in Arab, in in Dereja, sorry. Whereas Annabelle, you know, with more French features, what I think an advice that I would give is that if you're here and you're immersing yourself, do it the whole, like, go all the way. Don't just come here and only look like really go really dive in so I was always so I mean I would laugh so much because Annabelle was really putting in so much effort to speaking the language like even if it doesn't mean anything or just being like how do you say that word and then just repeating it repeating it repeating (laughs) it and I think that made a difference because I think that you know something silly but when you just when you start speaking to to Moroccan person and instead of being like oh hello I'm I'm Annabelle, I'm a French entrepreneur here. You're like, salam alaikum, khoya labes, which all means, you know, hello, brother, how are you? That that directly just shows to the people that you want to integrate, you want to know how it works here. And you're not just here to be an opportunist, I don't know how to say that in English, but yes, exactly. So definitely like when you're doing the immersion, go all the way and have fun doing it. Tell yourself that whatever happens, you're here to learn, you're here to discover. I think that's one of the great things about setting up shop in Marrakesh is that the people here are so welcoming, but then they also love to have a laugh. So if you can just like even try to say a few words and they'll be like, oh, that's great, you know, and they really like appreciate that. And they don't care if you don't say it like, I mean, I think I speak Darija like a two-year-old speaks Darija, but they still appreciate like during Ramadan, I was walking through the square and they'd be like, oh, come and have a tea. And I was like, no, no, Saima, like I'm fasting. And they're like, oh, wow, wow, madame. And it was like, instant respect, you know? So just even like saying a few words and like exactly immersing yourself. I think, yeah, that's true. They're very, very happy when you, when you, um, but that's also something that always made me a bit sad because it shows also that a lot of people who, who live here, some people live here since 10 years or more and they hardly know how to say salam alaikum. Okay, I'm going to discover a new culture, a new way of dealing with things. And yeah, you'll have plus sides, you'll have downsides. And I also think that the the way that as an entrepreneur, you're gonna like you're gonna have a lot of hidden hardships, which people maybe don't expect. And the more you can surround yourself with people who know their country, who know how it works. And this is not to say, oh, I'm going to use people. This is just to say, if you are really showing people that you're here because you want to be here and that you want to make an effort, they're going to be so happy to help you. You know, it's not going to be like, well, you're just here doing your thing. So figure it out yourself. They're going to go, you know, they're going to go all the way. And if not more to really help you find solutions and to give you advice. So it's always worth being kind and trying to make an effort to get to knowing the people in the country. I 100% agree with you. So I know you guys are hitting the road very soon, but I just want to say like, even though you didn't open the cafe as you initially planned, I would see you guys as an absolute definition of success, what you guys have done. And, you know, the, 
the experiences that you've gained and not just in Morocco, but traveling abroad, I think is just absolutely wonderful. So would you, how do you guys describe success? That is so funny. It's so funny that you're asking this because I don't know if we ever told you that. During the trip, we actually interviewed all the hosts and the bakers and we had 10 questions and there were cultural questions, personal questions, cake questions. And one of the questions was, how do people in whatever country we were in define success? And we got a lot of different answers. You know, often it was money or power or having a family and a house. But personally, success, it's, I think I'm still figuring it out, I think. But what I think what my stomach would say kind of is as long as you're doing something that you're enjoying doing and that you keep on just challenging yourself to say, okay, now I've done that. Do I still enjoy it? Do I want to do something different? And that you're always able to, to jump to the next experience, learning from the past ones. Then for me, that's a, you know, that's a great success because it's showing that you're basically following your true self and that you're just doing what, what you enjoy doing. And through doing something that you enjoy, you will make the money. You will be able to live off a good life, you know, and you'll meet people whom you need to meet and who will have maybe the same interests as you or will challenge what you're thinking or guide you through not to another path. But in the end, you'll just be happy. And that's to me a great success. Yeah, I'm learning over the past two years that all the models of success that, you know, I think when you come from a specific background, it's very, it's very drawn out for you. So success is hitting this objective at that age or, you know, being at this place at this moment. But that actually triggers a lot of people to be unhappy because when they're not at that place, they're like, well, I'm unsuccessful. And so I'm learning that success right now, the way I define it is comes with a sense of ownership of just saying, I'm doing something that I've chosen and I'm assuming if it goes well, I'm assuming if it doesn't go well, but every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this because I choose to be here and I'm actively choosing to, to, you know, draw this chapter. And definitely, you know, because I, this idea that you're always going to be doing something that you enjoy, it's not hundred percent true. No matter what you're doing, there's always parts that you enjoy, parts that you don't. But if you're really doing what you're, you feel like doing and that, you know, that can be employment, that can be entrepreneurship, that can be, you know, taking a gap year or gap years. <laughs> <laughs> the most important is just that you feel aligned with yourself and that you know that whatever's going on, it's in your hands and it's in your control, which is a huge privilege to be able to say that. But I think that it's the, it's the people you meet that will bring you to places. And sometimes you think back and you're like, wow, I met that one person and they changed completely. They gave me this one sentence or this one idea that then you know, I, I took off from there. So yeah, success right now, it's just learning that in today's world, like you can, if you really go for it and that you accept that it's not going to be an easy ride, you can do a lot of things that are in your heart. So coincidences is not put on the shelf. It's not dead. It's still there. It's, we're maybe going to see more of it. So I just want to thank you so much for coming to meet with me before you go. I'm going to be so sad that not to see you guys around Marrakesh, but I do hope that you will stay in touch on social media and that we'll be seeing you on YouTube soon. So thank you so much, ladies. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're very, I'm very impressed that we just had an interview. I have to say, <laughs> I didn't think that would happen. So thank you for having us. And it was, you know, a pleasure to share all these experiences. 
Yeah, thank you, Mandy. And, you know, you were definitely also on the list of people who keep on inspiring us and who keep on making us think like, wow, this is, this makes sense. This is why we're doing it. So thank you for everything. Thank you.